0: You're listening to Parenting with Emotional Intelligence, a subset of the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Nicole, the founder of Catalyst for Change, LLC, Generation EQ, and author of The EQ Deficiency, If you find the information in this podcast valuable and want to learn more about how you too can incorporate these essential skills in your family's lives, I welcome you to contact me personally and we can have a chat. You can find my personal calendar link and contact information in today's show notes. Simple and practical exercises that will help you in your child shift focus from the egoic mind to the true self. That is our topic for today. This is the fourth and final part of discussing the power of awareness, and this applies to both parents and individuals. Anyone can gain value from this series. As a quick recap, most of us are operating in life unaware and driven by the ego versus our true self. It's just part of being a human being. Awareness is essential when developing our emotional intelligence and living a more fulfilling and stress-free life. The further we develop our awareness, the greater the results. And you can begin by developing your awareness by bringing attention to your five senses, which will help ground you in the present moment and alleviate the fear and anxiety that comes from living in either the past or the future. Next, we must realize that the ego drives all of us unless we're an enlightened individual like Buddha or Jesus. And if you feel resistance to this acceptance, that you're driven by the ego, that is the ego talking through you. In the last episode of this series, I discussed how you can distinguish the ego from the true self. Now we're going to focus on how to manage the ego when we notice it making our decisions and generating unhealthy and unproductive thoughts and emotions and how to teach your children to do these exercises as well. Let's start with addressing unpleasant emotions. Unpleasant emotions are a direct indicator that the ego is calling the shots. Why? Because emotions are created through the mind in our internal environment, not the external environment, which we've often been conditioned to believe is responsible for our feelings and emotions. So here's an example of what I mean. Let's say that your child is being bullied at school. Other children may be calling them names, making fun of them, etc. However, there's no physical harassment, right? It's just words, which can be really nasty. If there is no physical harassment, that means the negative effects of bullying are being generated solely through the mind. Now, I realize this may be difficult to accept, And I understand. I'm not saying that we should accept the harassment of bullies and that that's okay. But what I'm saying is we are fully responsible for how others' words make us feel. And that's something that's super important and we need to teach to our children too. And it took years for me to fully understand and come to this realization. Mainly because my ego was resisting the fact that I, the ego, was causing all of my emotional suffering. However, the beauty of realizing this means that we can liberate ourselves from being negatively impacted by the stimulants and the triggers of the world and those around us. I used to be bullied in elementary school for how I dressed, my quirky personality, being taken out of class for special tutoring, all of that. So, so I understand what it feels like to be bullied. But looking back... I now realize that the feelings of sadness, anger, and isolation that I felt were all because I unknowingly believed the things that they were saying about me. Otherwise, their hurtful remarks and mockery wouldn't have bothered me. This is a major realization. Understanding that we only get upset by what others think and say about us if we ourselves, at some level, believe what they are saying is true. And oftentimes, we don't even realize that we're doing this, that we believe these things about ourselves, because it runs at such a subconscious level. So in order to alleviate those unpleasant feelings, we have to find where those false beliefs are coming from, from within, and correct for them on a very personal level. Now, could this have been from conditioning growing up? Yes. Could it have been from trauma experiences? Yes. Which are all attached to who we see ourselves as, like the ego. So we have to address those. Now let's broaden this approach and address all unpleasant emotions, not just the situation with the bullying. So when we feel unpleasant emotions, rest assured they are a product of the ego. We also know from part three that the ego is never satisfied and is always wanting, it wants to be right to be in control, to be perfect, to be safe, to feel accepted, to feel pleasure, and to be above all else. So we'll need to figure out which of these areas, maybe there's a couple of them, that are being impacted and go from there. So step one is identifying emotions and their intensity. So ask your child, what emotions are you feeling? And on a scale of one to 10, how powerful or intense are they? Typically, the more intense the feeling, the more we believe in what someone is saying about us or to us, or the more we feel like we lack something. That's key, right? So now step two, ask them what they believe is the source of their emotions. Now, they may say that it's because of a bully at school, the fact that they can't go to a friend's house for the weekend, that they don't want to do chores, that they want dessert before dinner, et cetera, et cetera. Just FYI, for your information, none of these are the true source. But we'll deal with that later. It's important to meet them where they are so you can work through this process with them. So don't try to say, well, that's not the cause of it. It's something deeper than that. Just meet them where they are. So step three, get specific. Well, what specifically does the bully say that upsets you? Why are you upset that you can't go to your friend's house this weekend? What specifically do you dislike about doing chores? Why is not being allowed to have dessert before dinner such a disappointment or upset for you? Now, they may look at you sideways when you ask some of these questions because they may think that you're being sarcastic and the answer to these questions is very obvious as to why they dislike doing chores or why they're upset that they can't go to a friend's house. Like, uh, Duh who doesn't dislike chores, right? But this leads us to step four. Ask them to identify which want of the ego or wants is not being met. And I recommend having the wants of the ego listed somewhere so that they can reference them frequently as they need to. And I can put an attachment in the podcast description for that list for you. All right. So does the ego want to be right, to be in control, to be perfect, safe, accepted, or feel pleasure? Have them take their reasons for not wanting to do things or for feeling a certain way and figure out which need is not being met by the ego. All right. Step five, learn to accept that this is the ego not getting its way and it's not coming from the true self. This acceptance reduces defensiveness and it promotes introspection when we realize the ego is not who we really are. Step 6. WWTTSD What would the true self do? We know that the true self does not want or long for anything. It lives in the present moment and is content, confident, accepting, and is one with all. Being able to connect on this level for extended periods of time is tricky. Because while the true self is who we are, our ego is still largely in control and will tell us, I don't want to accept this. I can't be content with this situation. And it will fight as though its life depends on it, because it does. (laughs) That said, we'll start by somewhat appeasing the ego while also striving to somewhat hand over control to our true self. It's all about being aware. To do this, ask two questions. How do I get X want met? Like the want of the ego, how do I get that met? And what is reality versus the perceived reality? So if the ego wants to feel in control and feel pleasure... How can we prove to the ego that it has some form of control and provide it with pleasure? So let's use an example of the child not wanting to do chores. This is often due to them believing that they don't have a choice to do them, which fosters the desire by the ego to have control. Also, they don't see the act of doing chores as being enjoyable or pleasurable, which is totally understandable. So what might we do to give the ego a sense of control when getting out of doing chores is not an option? But options, options are the key. So as a parent, here's where you can get creative. Let's say that you wanted to create a point system regarding chores and turn it into a rewarding task or challenge. For example, you could create a list of chores that your child can do and then have them sit down with them and have them rank their chores on a level of one to 10 based on either difficulty or dislike of that chore. So let's say folding laundry, they rank it as a 5 out of 10. And cleaning the bathrooms, they rank at a solid 10. This is all about their perception of dislike or difficulty, not yours. Some kids may rank all of their chores a solid 10 out of 10. Doesn't matter because you will not establish a point system until after they have established their rankings. Next, based on their rankings and your undisclosed expectations of them, establish a monthly expectation based on points. So let's say you want to make sure that they clean the kitchen and their room at least once a month, and they ranked both of those at like a 10 out of 10. Well, then they have to get 20 points for that month. So each point represents the ranking of difficulty or dislike. So you might say that they need to get 20 points worth of chores completed for the month. It really doesn't matter which chores they do. Each point represents the ranking of difficulty or dislike. So you might say you need to get 20 points worth of chores completed this month. And you don't care which chores they do. That is for them to decide. But it needs to total 20 points. If your child marks everything as 10, You may increase that to 50 points or 60 points. Doesn't matter. The point system is totally up to you. The point being, you're allowing them to have flexibility in choosing their chores, which gives the ego a sense of control, which is what it wants. Now to address the pleasure. So, naturally, we like to work towards goals and accomplish those goals. Using the same point system, you could offer rewards for surpassing the monthly points. Let's say that they got their 20 out of 20 and then they did a little bit more and maybe got an additional three points or 10 points, whatever. If they go over the baseline, then say, oh, if you go over the baseline by one point, then we get to go out for ice cream later. If you go over it by two or three points, then you get a small toy or extra screen time. If you exceed it even further, then you may be able to go to a friend's house or have a sleepover, have them come over. How you structure the points and rewards is totally up to you. These are just a few examples. So by structuring chores in this way, it teaches your child that hard work pays off. And equally, if they do not meet the agreed points for the month, you may also establish consequences depending on how short they are on reaching their points. So a negative one or two points no dessert after dinner for a week, A negative three to five points, no extra screen time, or they get screen time cut back. Do you see where I'm going with this? Like the more that they do not get accomplished, the more the consequences or the higher the consequences. Again, this teaches them that their choices, good or bad, results in consequences. What we just did here was established a system that tries to meet the wants of the ego which were to have a sense of control, which we did by allowing them to have the freedom to choose their tours as long as they meet the quota, and we provided an option for pleasure in the form of a goal and reward system for exceeding expectations. Now we still need to address the reality of the situation versus the perceived reality. Remember, reality is objective, whereas perceived reality is laced with opinions and judgments and emotions. So just as a reminder, not all children are old enough or emotionally mature enough to grasp this concept. So we want to meet them where they are and grow with them and not overwhelm them. But if your child is ready, here's where you can help them see that life is what we make of it. If we see chores as causing us misery, it will cause us misery because that is the reality that we have created. If we believe that bullies can define us, then they will define us. That is the reality that we've created. But the true reality, however, is that chores are a sequence of actions. Unless the act of doing something is causing you physical pain, the discomfort is only in our minds. It's only emotional discomfort. The words of a bully are just words. It's only when we accept those words as truth that that they evoke emotions and impact us. This realization is difficult for even adults to grasp. So I only recommend taking this practice this far once your child is able to develop a solid baseline of awareness and grasp the concept of the ego versus the true self. So this is a lot to process. I know. I threw a lot at you, even over four segments. I totally understand if you're still left with questions. And if that's the case, I encourage you to personally reach out to me. And you can find my contact information in the show notes. Awareness is a deep subject. I mean, it is deep and it is hard to grasp. It took me years to fully understand this. And I'm still learning. There's still things that I don't fully understand about deep introspection and the true self. I am learning too. So it takes more than just a few podcast sessions to catch on to this. So if you're interested in learning more about my work and how I can help you or your family live a more connected, stress-free, and fulfilling life, I have a few openings for my private family sessions currently and two open seats for individual coaching as well. To sum up this four-part mini-series, The Power of Awareness, number one, you can begin to develop your awareness by tapping into your five senses. Number two, realize that anxiety cannot live in the present moment. It can only live in the past or the future. Number three, the ego is the source of all our emotional suffering, wanting, and it is never satisfied. Four, The true self is content, accepting, confident, and one with all. It desires nothing, and it thrives on unconditional love and understanding. Number five, we can lessen the control of the ego by simply becoming aware of the ego. In summary takeaway number six, we can provide the ego with what it wants by giving it alternatives, as we did in the example with the chore point system. Again, please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions or want to talk about potentially working with me or bringing me in for a speaking engagement for your PTA, school, parents group, or a conference. But until next time, live and lead with an open heart and an open mind. Thanks for listening.